Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. We're going to talk today, continuing our sermon series on circles. We've been using a passage in 2 Corinthians 10, which I'm going to read again. We should know it almost off by heart by now. It starts in verse 12. He says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise or are not of sound mind and health in their thinking. We, however, yes, us, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere. And that's what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about the edges of your circle, or another way of saying it as I'm talking about boundaries. Boundaries mean that I put a boundary in my life and I say, this is what I will allow into my life. This is what I will allow you to tell me to do or not to do. It means I'm allowed to say no. Wow. It means I'm allowed to say that's not okay, that's a boundary, but also I will respect the boundaries around your life, and when I get the boundaries of your life and my life understood and clarified in my mind, then we can interact as independent, healthy, strong, secure individuals with each other. That's what boundaries are all about. So he says, we will boast will not boast beyond measure, within the limits, the edges of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. We can include others. Our boundaries are never supposed to be completely concrete. They're supposed to, we're supposed to interact with others, but in a healthy way out of security, not out of desperation or out of being bullied. I hope you're happy with that, and I really believe this could help many of us today. He goes on to say, we're not overextending ourselves. In other words, we're not going beyond our boundaries. Um, He says, we're not, in verse uh, 15, we're not boasting of things beyond measure, that is in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. There is a theme running through this passage where Paul says, I know my sphere. God appointed it for me. I don't need to compare myself. I don't need to push myself forward. I'm secure. I know my sphere. And I know your sphere. And I know where our spheres interlink. And I wonder, my dear friend, how you are doing with boundaries. Because in our modern world... Boundaries become very confused. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later in my sermon, but the idea of having no boundaries is the idea of being a little child. If you want the best illustration of having no boundaries in your life, it's of being a tiny little child where you are within the circle of your parents. If it's time for you to eat, Your parents tell you to eat, and they say, you must eat, and the little child says, no, I won't eat, and the parent says, you must eat, because if you don't eat, you will get sick, and you have very few boundaries as a child, 
A little baby is boundaryless. They are completely encircled by their parents. But as they grow, the desire of every good parent is not to keep their child always dependent within their circle, but to allow their child to become their own independent adult, where they can stand on their own two feet, where they can make their own mind up about various issues and have opinions that are different to their parents, where they can say yes or no, and it is totally up to them, and where they enjoy the benefits or suffer the consequences of their own choices. The goal of parenting is to make my child an independent adult, not to keep them completely dependent on me forever, because then they're not a healthy adult. And unfortunately, in our modern world, we've lost the idea of boundaries. So much so that some people are always looking for a parent, even though they may be 60 years old, they're looking for a parent who will mollycoddle them, take care of them, tell them what to do, and take the blame if anything goes wrong. They have no boundaries. Other people always want to enforce their boundaries on others. They always want to be the parent of everyone else. And they say, see themselves as telling everyone what to do. And they are shocked when someone says no to them. And I heard a lovely little quote from a, a man called Dr. Henry Cloud. He said, no is a complete sentence. He said, if you say no, you don't need to explain why you've said no. You don't need to give a justification or convince the person why you said no. You have the right. You have a boundary in your life. You have the right to say no, and no one can force you because that is healthy adult security. And so today we're going to look at how do we get these boundaries? How do we get healthy boundaries, and why is it important? Um, I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1, it starts in verse 2 by saying, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That phrase, without form and void, is a Hebrew phrase, tohu bohu. You might have heard it before. And it means chaos. It means no order, it means no separation or division or organization, just everything is a mess. It's all one. Everything is one. Everything is unified and mixed up. There are no divisions. And then throughout Genesis chapter 1, we see God just simply creating divisions to create order, and when he does that, life springs out. So God says, Light and darkness, let's separate those. Land and sea, let's separate those. Uh, skies above and land below, let's separate those. Let's make different kinds of animals with seeds. In other words, little cells that are separate. We, we put little separate walls around the cells and then those become seeds and those become a, a species, a kind of animal. And then another kind of animal and they're gonna reproduce after their kind. And then I'm gonna make man and then I'm gonna separate him into man and woman. And then I'm gonna 
uh, creates a tree in the middle of the garden that is good and evil. I'm separating good and evil. And every division or boundary line that God puts into place creates more order and more life because when there is separation and organization and boundary lines around things, then there can be structure and there can be responsibility. So God says to the man, you are in charge of this garden and this planet. Fill the earth and subdue it. You are responsible. And he's put a boundary for Adam and a responsibility. And Adam has the freedom to choose what he's going to do and what he's not going to do. And when the serpent tempts Eve, God doesn't step in and say, no, no, don't listen to the serpent. He says to Eve, you have the choice. You have the freedom to say yes or no. I've, I've given you. There's a boundary of responsibility around your life. And Adam and Eve were responsible adults. Unfortunately, they chose wrong. And all of us who are their children suffered, but they had the freedom to choose. And separation into boundaries brings life. As long as there is the, the correct interaction between those different things. And so cells must join with other cells to create a living body. People must join with other people. It says, the man will leave his father and mother, so he was in their circle, he will leave and he will be joined to his wife and the two will become a new circle, one flesh. And so there's interactions and there's separations. And my sense is, that most of us have not understood this. We think either separation is too important or it's not important enough, but when we get the right balance between what should I be separating myself from? Where are the dividing lines between good and evil, between interactions with other people, between my responsibilities and choices and yours? If we get that right, we get the life of God flooding into our lives. There is an error. I must just say this because there is an error that is pervading our society. It started in Hinduism and Buddhism and it's called non-duality. And the idea is this. Everything is one. There is no separation. There is no you. There is no me. There is no things. Everything is one. We just need to awaken our consciousness to understand I am one with everything and then I will reach peace or enlightenment or awakening or nirvana. That is 100% an Eastern religion concept and yet many Christians have found a few verses in the Bible that they think back it up and they brought it in and they call it Christian mysticism, and there's all these preachers out there teaching you Hinduism and Buddhism and calling it Christian and saying there is no separation. We're all just one. You just need to awaken your mind, and the way you do that is by centered prayer or mindfulness where you empty your mind. It's really weird because it's called mindfulness, but it's actually mind emptiness, and what they say is you empty your mind. You say, I've got no boundaries. I've got no borders. I'm one with everything. And then they say you'll reach an awakening where you're always living in the present moment. And I want to say to you, it's a lie from the devil because he knows if we let down our boundaries, we allow the enemy in. And that's what Eve did. 
There's a verse in Proverbs 25, verse 28. It says, a man who cannot control his own spirit is like a city with its walls broken down. It's defenseless. And if you get into this thing of emptying your mind, trying to be one with everything, unfortunately, if you're so open-minded, some of the wrong stuff can get in, and we can allow ourselves to be controlled by an evil force that doesn't want our good. And so we must have boundaries. We must take responsibility. We must say, I have a choice, and I will allow this in, you know, the Bible talks about meditation, but it talks about filling your mind with the Word of God, thinking about heavenly things. It's not emptying your mind. It's saying, God, give me your thoughts, and, and I'll focus on your truths. And, and so I just need to say that that is an error that we need to be careful of. Right, I'm going to speak now about Jesus growing up and putting boundaries in place because I want us to try and make this practical. So if we look at Mark chapter three, you might be saying, well, that's very interesting, Greg, but how do I do this? How do I put boundaries in my life and why is it important? Mark chapter three and starting from verse 31. It says, then his brothers and his mother came and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. Now, Jesus is a grown-up man at this stage. He's at least 30 years of age. He's a, an adult. But his mum and his brothers and sisters are standing outside, and they want him to obey them. Why? Because, unfortunately, it is human nature for us to want to control other human beings. I don't know why it is. It must be something we inherited from Adam and Eve, but we love to say, I want to cross your boundary just a little bit. I don't want you to cross mine, but I'm going to cross yours, and I'm going to tell you what to do, even though you're a grown-up person. I'm going to try and make you do what I want, and if I, I can't get you to do what I want, then I'm going to use manipulation, deception, trickery, whatever it takes, emotional blackmail, whatever it takes, I want to control you. And that is the condition of human nature. And the mother, Jesus' mother and his family were standing outside and they said, come, we want to call to him. And a multitude, verse 32, was sitting around him and they said to him, look, your mother, your brothers are outside seeking you. There's a bit of crowd pressure. Have you ever been in that position? Maybe you're at work and the crowd are talking about something. Maybe they're gossiping or maybe they're talking badly about another person. Maybe they're talking badly about the boss or the government. Maybe they're saying rude jokes, whatever it is. And there's crowd pressure and they want you to let your boundaries slip so that you'll let them in. But Jesus was secure. And in verse 33, he says, but he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him. And he said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. You see, we could be offended by that. That's one of the reasons we don't put up boundaries and the reasons we don't say no. When somebody wants us to do something that's not right or against our 
values, or when someone wants to control us and we're scared of offending them, we allow them to tell us what to do because we have a fear of man instead of a fear of God. But Jesus wasn't like that. His mum and his brothers were there, calling to him, Jesus, come, leave your meeting. He says, no. No is a complete sentence. I don't need to explain. I have the right to have a different opinion to you. No. And he looked at the circle around him, it says. He'd drawn a new boundary, and he said, I am choosing to interact with these ones who have the same father as me, who does the will of my father as my brother or sister. He says, there's a new family line. I've left my mother and father's control, and I've chosen to interact with some other people. I find that so helpful. I find it freeing. And I want to give you the liberty to know that you are allowed to have your own opinion. You are allowed to say no. If you're a grown-up person, you don't have to let anybody else be your parent. You say to me, but Greg, aren't we supposed to be submissive? Aren't we supposed to be honoring of our leaders? Aren't we supposed to have mentors and fathers in the faith? Aren't we supposed to always be under somebody's authority? And I want to say to you, there is a very important balance to get here. And the balance is this. We are supposed to be secure in ourselves where we don't need somebody else's permission to have an opinion or to do something. But once we are secure, we then choose to link ourselves with somebody else. And there's usually a boss or a head in whatever group or organization you join because that's the way God has set it up. But that boss or that head is not better than us. They're not closer to God than us. They're not superior in any way. They just have a role that means they are the one who's in charge. But we are all equals. Do you remember Matthew 23? This is a verse that hardly ever gets quoted because it's shocking to people. Matthew 23, Jesus speaking. And he says, but you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. All, all Christians are brethren. And just in case they misunderstood him, he goes on. And he says, do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father. He who is in heaven. And do not be called teacher, because one is your teacher, the Christ. He who is the greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. We are brethren. Every Christian person on the planet, every human being, there is no levels of hierarchy of closer to God, superior, above. We are brethren, and yet we say... God, you've chosen to have elders in churches, so we submit to elders. God, you've chosen for the husband to be the leader in a family, so we're equal, but we submit. God, you've chosen for there to be bosses in business, so we submit. But I'm not inferior. I am a secure 
individual who chooses, not because I'm forced or manipulated, I choose to submit to a leader out of authority, out, out of willingness to do God's will. But I don't say that I'm less than. Because as soon as you say you're less than, you've let the boundary down and all sorts of things can come in. Or as soon as you say I'm greater than, you've stepped over somebody else's boundary and you've done something that is trespassing in the spiritual world. I'm gonna close with this. There is a, a phrase in the New Testament called each one. It's the Greek word hekastos. Hekastos, and it's translated each one in the New Testament. And it's talking about those things that are just within my individual boundaries. There are many places in the New Testament where it talks about us as families, as churches, as nations, where we have joint community together. But when it's talking about you as an individual with your boundaries, as a secure adult, it uses this little phrase, hekastos, which is translated each one. And it occurs many times, more than 30 times in the New Testament. And the majority of those, by far the majority of those, it's talking about judgment day. And what it says is that each one of us will stand and give an account to God on judgment day alone. Now, you might be scared by that, but I want to say to you that that's an encouragement. Because God says, I will ask you individually about everything you did, every choice you made, every person you chose to link with, every truth or untruth you chose to believe. But because I am asking you to give an account, I am giving you the power, the boundary within your life to say no to anything that will stop you being able to stand on judgment day. With that, you know, you know that little phrase that Spider-Man says, with great power comes great responsibility. Do you remember that? When I first heard that, I thought he was gonna say, with great power comes a great electricity bill at the end of the month, but he didn't say that. He said, with great power comes great responsibility. We have this great responsibility, but with that responsibility to stand alone in front of God, he gives you the power to put a boundary in place and say, I will one day give an account to God for everything I do and say and believe, and because of that, I have the strength from God to put a boundary in place and say, this can come in, this cannot come in. I will say no, because I fear God more than I fear people's disapproval. Hekastos is overwhelmingly used to say each one of us will stand alone in front of God, but it's a judgment of rewards. Again and again, it says each one will receive the reward for the things that he's done. The second most common use of this word hekastos is talking about the gifts that God has given you. It says each one has been given gifts from God that are different to everyone else's gifts. You have abilities and gifts and a ministry and a calling from God that is different to everyone else's and part of your circle, the boundaries, are using the gifts that God has given you to the max in your workplace, in church, in evangelism serving the Lord, expressing all the creativity and beauty that he's put in you, it's yours. Don't try and copy somebody else. 
Don't put your boundaries down and say, I want to be just like Brother Joe, who's so good at ministry. No, no, God has made you unique. Each one has their own gifts. Each one will be judged. Each one has their own gifts. The third use, it's amazing to me. It talks about the giving of money. Several times it uses this little phrase, each one should decide how much he's going to give. And it's like it's, it's a unique thing. Other people are not allowed to force you to give money. Praise the Lord. It's a choice you make, but God will ask you about it at the end of time. The fourth one is marriage and sex. He talks about each one should have his own wife. Each one should control his own lusts and his own sexual desires and his body, each one is responsible. And when the two come together, there is a marriage unit that becomes a new circle and out of that children are formed. But that is a a unique thing. Other people are not supposed to cross the boundary into your marriage and into your sexual life. It's, It's a private thing. It's a boundary that God has put in place. And then lastly, the ability to interact. Each one should serve one another, minister our gifts, but it comes out of a place of security, knowing I am responsible for judgment day on my own for what choices I make. When I am secure, when I have an overflow of God's power in my life, when I am an adult and not being told what to do by everyone else, then I have enough to pour into other people to help them bear their load. But the minute that it starts affecting me where I might get tempted to sin or I might struggle, then I pull back and I say, no, no, I've got to bear my own load. But when I've got enough, then I help each other. Father, help us. Father, help us. Help us to get healthy boundaries in our lives. Lord, help us to have enough security in ourselves that we can then help others. Help us to have the mental health and soundness of mind that we are secure in you, we know who we are, and because of that, we can be part of a team and part of other people and work together. Father, I pray for many here today whose boundaries have been broken down. They've allowed other people to push them and manipulate them around. Or perhaps they've stepped over other people's boundaries and they've tried to control other people. Lord God, forgive us. Help us, Lord, to come back to the place of security and strength in you. Help us to remember Judgment Day and thank you for the strength that you pour into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.